Hello everyone, my name's Aidan. And my name is Ropa Fadzo. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Behind the Scalpel. of academic surgery, the rise of collaborative research. This is a continuation of our previous episode with Dr. Cam Wells. Why is collaborative research important? So I think one of the things where a lot of surgical research, but this, you could say the same thing about medical research more broadly, one of the, re, one of the places where it really falls down is that there's Historically, we've done a lot of small, single-centre retrospective studies that might have a hundred, a couple of hundred patients that are from one place, but it's over a really long time period. Um, a medical student or a registrar or junior doctor has to go back, pull out all the notes, extract all of the data, and it's all retrospective going back years and years. There might be missing data the data quality might not be very good and we don't necessarily know what happened to all of those people. It's often really small and when it comes to writing those papers up, it's often really hard to um, make sense of those results because it's a small sample size. Um, The study quality might not be very good and because of that, it's often really hard to publish them or if you do get them published, they end up filling up a journal where the results, you know, a few people might read them, but uh, they don't really change clinical practice. Now, I've published plenty of papers that fall into that category. Um, so I'm not, I'm not claiming to be someone who all the work that I've done has changed clinical practice. I've certainly published my fair share of small retrospective studies that, you know, didn't change the world. And there's always going to be a space for that. But one of the big advantages of collaborative research is that you can get really big um, cohort sizes, really big sample sizes with thousands of patients over a short period of time from lots of different hospitals. So you know that it's generalizable and um, you can achieve a study that's of much higher quality. The data is all prospective. So it's been recorded and entered accurately and in real time rather than going back and looking at it retrospectively and you've got enough power to look at um, differences between various treatment options or different groups Um, so just from a statistical point of view you've got so many more patients it makes it a lot easier to figure out what the real signals are Mm -hmm. and this model of collaborative research a lot of the work that's been done is all observational so you're just looking at what happens to people without doing any interventions but some of in some places and particularly in the UK they've started doing randomized trials with this model that are led by registrars so the registrars have come up with a topic they um, have set up this randomized study at lots of different hospitals And at each site, it's registrars and junior doctors who are recruiting patients into these trials, randomizing them to one thing or another. So often they're really simple. One of them that just got presented recently was a trial where for perianal abscesses, they looked at whether you should pack the abscess cavity or not after you have done an IND. And they showed that 
it doesn't make a difference. We probably shouldn't be packing those um, abscess cavities. Mm. Um, but until you've done that across lots of hospitals in a big representative sample size, it's really hard to answer that question definitively. So for me, one of the big advantages of collaborative research is that you can come and answer some of these really simple questions in a really effective way and generate data that actually changes practice. Because the whole point of research is to try and improve clinical care to make things better for our patients. And uh, I think collaborative research is a great way to do that. It's not the be all and end all. There's always gonna be a role for other forms of research, but these collaborative studies are a way to really generate practice changing data. Mm. Sounds like uh, collaborative research not only gives uh, more benefit in terms of less financial costs, but also less time cost, uh, as well as giving a chance to less senior surgeons or junior doctors to lead a project. Yeah, completely. I think it's a great way for people to get some early research experience and be involved. And if we get people involved while they're medical students and junior doctors, then as they progress through their careers and develop, that they're going to be, there's going to be a generation of registrars and then a generation of consultants who have all been involved in research as they've come through. And it's really going to change the culture of research amongst medicine. So I think that um, uh, it's a really great way to work together and to help develop some of these skills amongst the medical community. Mm. So, uh, tagging along from uh, that uh, answer, is the at the moment is there any surgical research from anywhere in the world, uh, whether it be collaborative or not, uh, that catches your eye? Yeah, of course. Um, I'll I'll split this answer into two. There's a, like a non-collaborative project and then a collaborative one. And one of the coolest papers I've seen recently is by um, a guy called Dr. Armin Madani in Annals of Surgery. Um, he wrote a paper with a, a team of um, collaborators from around the world, uh, looking at artificial intelligence and the use of a thing called semantic segmentation for um, augmented surgical vision. So what they did is they made a machine learning model that can look at images from a laparoscopic cholecystectomy where you're doing the dissection around the, the, the gallbladder. And they've made a machine learning model that can look at that picture and can identify a little area where it's safe to dissect and a place and an area where you shouldn't dissect to try and avoid common bile duct injury. So they've split it into go zones and no go zones. And you can get a picture that has a little green part where it says, go here, dissect here, this, this place is safe and then a big red zone that says, don't go here. Um, it's really early research. It's all kind of proof of concept and showing that this is possible and there's no proven clinical benefit um, in terms of reducing bile duct injury, but it's an incredibly cool paper. The pictures are amazing. And I think it's likely to be the way of the future. Um, artificial intelligence really assisting doctors to be better than we currently are rather than taking over from us. Like, I don't think we're going to be replaced by robots anytime soon. Um, but I do think that we need to lean into some of these things and really embrace the ability for technology to help support us to be better. Um, in terms of collaborative projects, there's uh, 
a group called the COVID Surge Collaborative that you and some of your listeners might have heard of. They have been amazing in the last 12 to 16 months um, where they set up this collaborative network all around the world to help study and support um, surgical decision-making during COVID. So they've published a whole load of different papers on outcomes after surgery and people who have COVID and the impacts of COVID on elective cancer surgery, um, when to operate on someone who's had COVID and how long you should wait. And then some other things looking at what the effect of vaccinating people before they come in to have surgery would be in terms of reducing their risk of picking up COVID in hospital. So they've done a whole load of work um, and the, the outputs from that group have been amazing. They've collected data on almost 150,000 patients having surgery from all around the world. Um, and that's all prospective collaborative data collection like I was talking about before. Mm. Um, it's a really phenomenal effort from people all around the world. And some of those results have been really practice changing. Those studies have had huge impacts in terms of helping us figure out how to look after patients who need operations during the COVID pandemic. And I think that's a really great example of the power of collaborative research and the sorts of questions that it's really well posed to answer. Mm. Both of those sound incredible and especially the one um, COVID surge that you talked about. I'm glad something like that was um, actually brought into being um, last year with everything that was going on. Um, so you talked a bit about, I'm glad you talked a bit about um, AI and your opinion of what, um, how AI could actually be used in the future um, in yeah. surgery. Um, just going off of that about, the future of surgery in your opinion what's the future of surgery in particular surgical research um, and how it will be integrated into surgical practice yeah um i think this is a really interesting question um you probably heard me gush and get really excited about tech and artificial intelligence and all those sorts of things i think they are incredibly cool the thing that i think that surgical research needs to focus on first and foremost is to keep it grounding in people, to have people as the most important thing, and to have at its real core and a focus going forward that we need to make sure that surgical research is inclusive and includes people from all backgrounds and has a real diversity in the voices that we choose to amplify and listen to, and the voices that we let set the research questions. Um, and we should include patients in that as well. I think we need to do a lot more work listening to patients about what's important to them um, and helping involve them in setting the priorities for what we should be studying. Um, I think there needs to be a lot of work on equity in surgery, both mm -hmm. within countries like New Zealand and Australia, but also internationally and gl global surgery as a topic is a really huge field that's expanding and needs a lot more attention and um, resourcing surgical care in low-income settings is a really important area for the future. Collaborating both within and between countries, I think comes into that as well and having some of these networks where everybody is able to contribute to research, whether you're at a big hospital that's a tertiary center attached to a university has lots of resources, 
or if you're in a you know a small regional or rural hospital with only you know 20 or 30 or 100 beds um, we need to have a world where all of those people can contribute to research and everyone's involved because ultimately that's what our patient population is um, so I think there needs to be a real focus on people, the patients that we're serving and having a really broad range of voices in surgical research. Um, there are some really great examples. There was a, a patient-led study that was published in a journal called Colorectal Disease. So there was a study that was actually, the, the whole idea was created by a patient and then set up with some support from researchers. But they did the study looking at sexual function after colorectal surgery. And they, run, they ran this whole study through patient Facebook groups and patient networks that existed online and had 600 and something patients respond to the survey about what they felt the impact of their surgery had been on them. And things like that are really, I think, the way of the future where we need to be listening to the patients that we're looking after. Things like tech and artificial intelligence are awesome and are really easy to get excited about and I think are always going to keep developing. Um, but lots of those things as well, I think, need to be studied and implemented appropriately. So we can't just rush them into clinical care. We need to be really careful with researching them, making sure there's a proven clinical benefit and introducing them in a way that's safe and that we know that what we're doing actually works. Um, collaborative research, I think, is going to be a way that can help push that forward um, and move those things more quickly. And I think collaborative research is certainly going to keep growing in New Zealand and Australia amongst students, trainees, and hopefully amongst consultants as well. But I think it's definitely easier to start at the bottom um, and grow as people move upwards. So we're still early days here in New Zealand and Australia. The guys in the UK and Europe are miles ahead of us, um, but we're making some good progress, which is awesome. So I think as we, as we move forward and develop, the future is gonna be, research is gonna be embedded within clinical care it's going to be a lot more normal for our patients to be part of research studies rather than it being a, you know, a rare or kind of strange thing. Um, we should have multiple things that are all going across lots of hospitals and we're constantly trying to learn and get better at what we're doing while having that, those priorities set by patients. That's the future that I wanna see. It's a pretty lofty goal. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a dreamer, but, um, that's, that's the future that I want to see for surgical research. I think it can be done. <laughs> we, I mean, we are doing it. <laughs> yeah, one step at a time. Um, it's, it's a big goal, but I think it's the way, the way that things need to go. And to wrap up, how can medical students, I'm sure our listeners will be very keen to hear the answer for this one. How can medical students learn about research and get involved? Yeah, um, I think this comes down to lots of different levels. So if I was a medical student, what would I, what would I go and do? Or what would my advice be to someone who was, was out there looking to get involved? I would say, start. I'll break this down into collaborative research and non-collaborative research. Um, if you want to get involved in the collaborative studies, 
the best place to start if you're a medical student in Australia or New Zealand is to probably follow the Tasman Collaborative on Facebook and Twitter. So that's Tasman, like C, um, Collaborative. And if you follow them on Facebook or Twitter, um, you'll stay up to date with all the things that they're doing. Like I said, they're going to kick off something next year and it's a great opportunity to get involved. Um, they will continue to grow and develop. I would suggest that people who are interested in research get on Twitter um, and follow some of the journals from the field that you're interested in and just follow interesting surgeons and people who are posting interesting stuff. There's a lot of research that's on Twitter. I see people posting about their latest research articles on Twitter before I read it in a journal. And um, Twitter is actually how I stay up to date. So there's lots of interesting things out there and you can read and be inspired. And Twitter is actually how I first got involved in collaborative research. Like I ended up chatting to the guys in the UK who invited me over to go to a meeting and it all kind of went from there. So um, I would say get involved and kind of just read and read and read and try to learn about what's already out there. Um, Tasman Collaborative, I think, is great if you're a medical student. There's lots of other local groups. So there's ones in most of the states. Um, and there's a group in New Zealand as well, like I mentioned before. So if those groups are around locally to you and doing stuff, then I'm sure people from those um, organizations would love to have medical students involved and in helping out with what they're doing. So reach out to them and see what's going on. In terms of just more general research advice, um, be keen. Find people who are doing things you think are interesting. Um, have a look for academics or surgeons around locally to you who are doing you know, interesting research, have got stuff on the go, are publishing papers, and have got students that are already working with them. Um, reach out to them like you'd be surprised how many people uh, even really senior people are really excited to have an email from a really keen young medical student who wants to help so be keen and enthusiastic and start small like just take any opportunities that come your way if you have a chance to to do something small and be part of a project that's much bigger learn some skills and then you know, do the next project up and do a little bit more and a little bit more as you develop, keep developing your skills. Like you're never going to start in your first project be a huge practice changing randomized trial. Um, but you've got to just, you know, slowly develop a little bit more and a little bit more. And a lot of these things are practice. Like research isn't easy, takes a long time to learn and develop. But if you're keen and enthusiastic and you're willing to put some time and energy into it, um, reach out to interesting and inspirational people who have a good track record, have lots of students working with them and are doing stuff that you find interesting. And I guarantee you, if you reach out to some of those people and you're keen and you want to be involved, that they will make opportunities for you to, to help out. Um, certainly I feel that way whenever in the, the very few times that I've had emails from people in that situation, um, it's, it's really nice having people say, hey, I want to come and work with you. So that would be my, my number one advice is take the opportunities that come your way, um, but don't be afraid to go out there and make them for yourself and reach out to people locally as well. Um, there's heaps of stuff out there. There's some really great research that's going on in New Zealand and Australia. 
So there's heaps of opportunities, both collaborative and non-collaborative. Um, and I think um, it's a great thing to be involved with. My whole motto about research is it's the only way that clinical care gets better. It's the only way we make things better for our patients. And ultimately, that's the real driving force behind it all. It's always got to come back to the patients. Thanks for that, Cam. Those are some really rich tips. And I think our listeners are definitely going to appreciate hearing that from someone like you who has, you know, played the long game and has been in, you know, our traditional type of research and now in um, this new collaborative type of research as well. Um, We really appreciate you coming on here and yeah, telling us all about that. And hopefully we'll um, see more students and just more healthcare professionals in general being involved in um, collaborative research projects. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. I hope um, I hope your listeners have found it useful. And um, yeah, if anyone ever wants any advice or or wants to just chat generally about research, I'm always happy. So um, uh, people can find me online. I'm not that hard to find. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I hope that's the future with more people being involved in research and the stuff continuing to grow and develop. So uh, exciting times ahead. Beautiful. Thank you, Cam. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Behind the Scalpel. If you want more episodes, head to www.sergia.org or search for Behind the Scalpel on Spotify or Apple Music. Mm-hmm.